Calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. Everybody, we have to accept that humankind is in charge now. We are running this planet. We did not apply for this job, nobody filled out a form, but we are in charge now. Everything every one of us does affects everybody in the world because we all share the air. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more 
weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. It's so good to be here. It's exciting that you're here. 30th, I think it's the 30th anniversary of Bill Nye Science Guide. It will be in September. It's incredible. It is hard to believe. You've made a massive impact on so many people. And the crew. Don't forget, we had a great crew. Of course. Um, I wanted to ask you some questions that I don't think you've been asked before about science and the mind, science and brain health, and science and relationships. Oh, Okay. And sure, I'm an expert. You're an expert in relationships? Sure. Oh, and all that, whatever you listed there. <laughs> I'm curious about the brain and mental health and science to start, because it seems like there's a lot of stress and chaos happening inside people's minds in the world, as well as externally in the world. How can we understand our own minds or our brain when there's chaos around us on how to navigate the world? in a more harmonious, peaceful way, based on personal experiences that you've had, life experiences, and based on science of what you studied. So let's, before everybody jumps down my throat, I'm a mechanical engineer. People say, well, you're no scientist. What is it? Everybody's a scientist in a sense, especially, seriously, before you're 10 years old, everybody's asking scientific questions and so on and so on. But I'm a mechanical engineer, which is largely uh, classical physics. They say uh, everything happens for a reason, whoever they are. And that reason is usually physics. Okay, there. Do you feel better? So then uh, living things are chemistry, based on chemistry. And chemistry is really based on motion and energy. So chemistry is really physics. So life science is really, okay, and so on and so on. But here's the two things. First of all, getting along with people, I think it's very important to accept that everybody you'll ever meet knows something you don't. Even if I may, this is irony, everybody, even if I may, stupid people know something you don't, even if you think they're stupid. Then the other thing, you know, there's an expression uh, that Charles Darwin wrote survival of the fittest and people have a tendency to think that 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 evolution is related to people who work out the most do the most crunches or some setups or something but it's really it's a 19th century usage of this expression he meant things that fit in the best and one of the heartbreaking facts of life is from an evolutionary standpoint, you only have to be good enough. You only have to be good enough to live long enough to have kids, and then you can die, and the kids carry on. This is true of my old boss, who was a human, near as I could tell. There were times I weren't sure, and I wasn't sure. And then uh, it's also true of oak trees. You only have to be good enough. And so if we can accept that everybody is pretty much doing their best, then maybe we could get along a little better. Mm. So that's a long-winded thing. But sure. It's people make extraordinary claims about religion and what their deity is telling them what to do. 
but not everybody agrees on who, which deity has the latest information. And so um, uh, I mention this because we're having a lot of trouble in the world's most influential society, the United States, with people making extraordinary claims based on unprovable ideas. Not that all ideas have to be provable, but accept that there are some unprovable things. Let's move on. What's the, I mean, you mentioned just before about how you went to your 50th high, high school reunion. High yes. school reunion. And I think you said 12 people didn't show up, not because they didn't want to, but because they're not here anymore. As far as we know. Right. It's not because they didn't want to. Right. What is it about death that you're seeing that you appreciate and also frustrates you? Well, I would, I mean, shoot from the hip. I would like to live forever. I would like to be able to uh, throw a disc, a Frisbee, as far as I could when I was 24, but that's probably uh, unlikely. And and then the other hand, death is what makes you get things done. I think you know you. Uh, it's what pushes you forward. Also, this business of experience: the older you get, the more life experience you have. And so, it is to be hoped that you have better judgment about the time you have left. You will make good decisions relative to the time you have left. So, uh, this is a an amazing and troubling thing. If you live to be 82 years old and seven weeks, 82 years and a month and three quarters. Okay, now it depends on leap years when the moment you were born, you know, it's four years thing there. You get 30,000 days. Wow. 82 and seven weeks, 30,000 days. So let us do the following thought experiment. We're in Los Angeles. Where do we go? Uh, SoFi, what's the name of the SoFi Stadium? Yes. Yes. We go to the stadium, seats, 75,000 people. Probably. Yeah. Every, your life's going to take place on the field. You're watching your life in this thought experiment. And every day, you sit in a different seat watching in this thought experiment. You're watching your life. Day to day, it looks almost exactly the same. But after a few stadium sections, you notice you're looking at, life from a different point of view, 30,000 days, SoFi Stadium, you don't get halfway around and you're dead. Wow. That's a, that sucks, man. Wow. <laughs> so, and you're, when you're 10 years old, 30,000, yeah, it's cool. When you're 67 years old, it's not as many. What does that make you think about knowing that, you know, there are less days hypothetically, unless we can figure out well, some new And then the health. other thing, if you live to be 120, what have you, or is, is the quality of life as good out there? Right. The health span versus the lifespan. There you go. Yeah. So what about it? It's, uh, it focuses the mind, as they say. What do you focus your mind on these days the most? Uh, well, there's um, a couple of TV things I'd like to do, movie things I'd like to do. But let me ask you this. Yeah. Why doesn't every uh, interviewer on mainstream news channels or any news channel, uh, news medium, whether it be broadcast or cable television or print media or whatever the kids call the electric internet, <laughs> why, don't, why isn't the first question, 
what are you doing about climate change? No matter whom you are interviewing. And if you're not doing anything about it, why not? And if you claim that climate change is not a, a th what's everybody's favorite word anymore? Existential. If it's not an existential threat, then what is it? Why doesn't everybody start with that? Because it is, it is the biggest problem we have. Really? Yeah. Yes. And uh, it's happening. It started, you might say it's happening in slow motion. Well, now it's happening in medium motion. Mm. And when will it happen in fast motion? Well, there's a lot of speculation about that. And I will quote my friend, Michael Mann. Do you know Mike Mann? Uh, uh, not the director. Okay. Do you know the hockey stick graph? World's gotten been about the same. Now it's getting warm faster and faster. He was the lead author on the first publication of the okay. hockey stick graph. And he updated, they update it. He and his colleagues update it from time to time. Um, his latest book, which is coming out any time, I read an advanced copy of it. He believes now, based on computer modeling, that there won't be this catastrophe where the Atlantic freeze, Atlantic Ocean freezes over and all of a sudden everybody can't breathe. Instead, it'll just get worse and worse, faster and faster and faster. So should we delay doing something about it? No, we should get on it every way we can right now. And then the other side, as I like to call them, refers to people like me as alarmists. Mm. Mike Mann is an alarmist. Or it's a pay attentionist. It's a what are you thinkingist? Get your head in the gameist. And what I say to conservative media with whom media people with whom I cross paths less and less frequently, um, cut it out. Just stop it. Just stop acting like this. Come on, you guys, you know better. Just yeah. stop it. And eventually a very high-profile high guy did get fired. Mm. And the lawsuits are going to go on for quite a while. But it is the biggest problem we have. Let me ask you an ignorant question. How did the last ice age happen? So uh, it got named after a mathematician and scientist named Milankovitch. So, and how was the world before that? I guess. Well, so oh, let's talk about the world before. What's everybody's favorite thing? Ten years old. Two things: space, dinosaurs. Turns out they're the same thing when you have an asteroid impact. All right. <laughs> so, the Earth is tilted. Not only is the Earth tilted, it's wobbling. It's, there's a fabulous physics word. It's precessing. It's not just spinning. It's doing thising. All right? Precessing. And then the orbit itself is not quite a circle. This table is much closer to a circle than the Earth's orbit. Earth's orbit's a little of this. It's tilted. Blah, blah, blah. So you get these cycles called Milankovitch cycles. And the last ice age is closely related to the Milankovitch cycle. And keep in mind that in ancient dinosaur times, there was more carbon dioxide in the air than there is now. Well over a thousand parts per million. Really? Now we're a little over 400. Uh, the world was warmer. The world was so warm. How warm was it? Uh, ice that we have is ice and snow melted. There was so much water on the Earth's, liquid water on the Earth's surface that we had an inland sea in what is now Wyoming and Utah. If you've ever been to Dinosaur, Utah, it's amazing. Dinosaur, Colorado, I misspoke. Yes, Dinosaur, that's the town. There were dinosaurs that were walking around. And then, do you, do you know Tiktaalik? Do you no. know the animal that had legs and 
fins at the same time, this transitional animal, was found in what is now Baffin Bay, Canada, because it used to be a swamp. All right. Well, then the wobble, the earth, the precession, this and that changes, and it starts to snow, and the snow stays up in the mountains, and the inland seas drain, and the amount of plant life on the Earth's surface decreases, and there's less carbon dioxide in the air, uh, less all the sorts of gases in the air. And then it gets so froze up and so ice in the mountains that you can walk from what is now Russia to what is now Alaska. You're just walking around wow. cool. In the summer, you know, it's hot and wonderful. You grow the giant cabbages and all that stuff, and then you show up in North America. By then, you've got some tools. You just kill all the big mammals you can find and eat them. It's great. Wow. Now here we are. But all that is interesting and amazing, and the study of paleoclimates, as they're called, ancient climates, has led people like Mike Mann and me to go, people, let's go. Stop it. Let's go. No, you're an alarmist. Yeah. Yes. I'm a pay attentionist. So anyway, uh, so why, why we is get to it, work, the better. Why, why is this something you care about so much? Well, let's say that the thought experiment in the stadium, I got a solid 20 years to go. And it's just going to get worse and worse for everybody. So there's a time. Uh, and I use the word time. Time's only going one way, and I like to drop the second law of thermodynamics. You ever heard of the second law? Tell me. Well, you know it intuitively. Lakes do not freeze in the summertime. Heat always spreads out. And that sucks. I'm sorry. Heat always spreads out. And that's the second law of thermodynamics, which can be expressed mathematically with this mythic word entropy. Chemists love their entropy. Anyway... Um, heat's always spreading out. In order for you and me to live, let's say, in West Texas today, you have to be able to sweat enough right. to cool off enough to keep your molecules from breaking down, your DNA from breaking down so your metabolic processes don't stop. There's an upper limit to how hot it can be and a human can walk around. Mm. And in Fahrenheit, it's into the 130s. Wow. Right? So, uh, we'll just go into air conditioning. Okay, where are you going to get that? And so, furthermore, there'll be, there's a, as Mike Mann points out in his latest book, it's not hard fast. Some people will be able to live at 132. Other won't make, won't make it at 127. And anyway populations, humans, will want to move where it's Migrate. cooler and cooler and cooler. Billions of people are going to want to move. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do when they get there? And whose resources are they going to want to share when they get there? This is all obvious to people on my side of it, and it's all fist-pounding crazy-making. When, when will it get to that point, though? Well, that's what I talked about. Next week. Well, you said it would be, you said the Arctic would melt and. By 2022, but it's still there. Okay. 2032, 2040. All right. So keep in mind, or I like to keep in mind, getting to be old news, I offered a bet to two different guys. Uh, um, Mark Morano, who's a, he's a big climate denier. He works for the oil, nominally, organization funded by the oil and gas industry. And then uh, Joe Bastardi. I offered them each bets of $10,000 that 20, 
15, 20, 25 would be the, or I guess it was 2010, 2020 would be the hottest decade on record. Neither of them would take the bet. And I chose $10,000 because figure, I figured those guys were at a level they could afford, but also that's what Rick Perry, I mean, that's what uh, Mitt Romney offered Rick Perry. You know, do you own Chinese or Asian stocks or some $10,000? And Rick Perry is like governor of Texas. I, I don't have $10,000 with that. I'm a public servant. Anyway, neither of them would take the bet. They still wouldn't take, they absolutely would not take the bet. The world's only gotten warmer and warmer. Each decade's gotten hotter and hotter. And ski resorts are going out of business and people in West Texas are looking for some place to go. So for someone watching or listening who is hearing this and says, okay, I understand this, but maybe they might be asking, well, isn't the weather patterns changing every decade or Hundred years, and it's getting warmer. Then it'll get colder. Then it'll get warmer. Why and it's just would it get colder? The... What makes anybody say it'll get colder? I have when no idea. Armies of scientists, climatologists, people who study this ists, point out that it's not going to get colder. It's only getting warmer and warmer. And as they say, especially Kate Marvel is really well spoken about this. Suppose there were extraordinary temperatures in West Texas and India and Southeast Asia. Suppose there were extraordinary temperatures and we didn't know why it was happening. Suppose it was just a mystery. That'd be really spooky. But we do know exactly why it's happening. We, humankind. Why is it happening? Because we put extra carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases in the air very fast. And this is what we tell everybody, wah, 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 wah. It's the speed that we're doing it. Yes, in ancient Dinosaur times, there was twice, two and a half times as much carbon dioxide as there is now in the air. It's the speed that we're doing it. And now, instead of one or one and a half billion people, we have eight going on nine billion people, all trying to breathe and burn in the same atmosphere, and this is going to be trouble. But you got to be optimistic, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not optimistic, you're not going to get anything done. For sure. We're playing ping pong, table tennis. Right I was fun. optimistic. <laughs> That I could, you know, take a couple points from you. I may have been delusional, <laughs> but that was, if you don't think you can win the game, you're not going to win the game. If you don't think we can address climate change, then we won't. What's it going to take for us to actually make a, a change? So vote, everybody, vote. What can I do about climate change? And what people want to hear generally is recycle your plastic, which is good. It's not recycle enough. Recycle, it's enough not change. nearly enough. Furthermore... The fossil fuel industry, and look, we're all got here because we have fossil fuels. I'm, you know, I understand that, but we have to stop. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there to too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Uh, we have to stop using fossil fuels uh, the way we're using them now. Not slow down, stop. And so um, get politically active in your community and elect people who are going to do something about this. And the things that I want to do about it are, are to have these big goals, big goals. In the overarching big sense, what do we want to do? Raise the standard of living of women and girls. When you raise the standard of living of women and girls, everybody is better off. Benefits have. You know the old saying, happy women and girls, happy life. I paraphrase. When women have a higher quality of life, they have fewer kids. The kids they do have have more resources. They do better. Everybody does better. Uh, in the community, in the, in the city, in the farm, in the world. So for this, three things. Clean water, renewably produced electricity that's reliable, and access to the Internet, or whatever the kids call the Internet in the future. The electronic superhighways, what we used to call it back in the 1900s. So having these big goals in mind, we can make these big changes. Right. And when you talk about Texas and the extraordinary heat, here's an irony. And I did a, I used to, do you know, did you know that? I used to work in the oil field. Really? As a young engineer. Wow. A Seattle company had the premier oil slick skimming boat. The Coast Guard, made of aluminum, lightweight. Coast Guard could take them on helicopters, put them at the oil slick, and lap up the oil slick. So there was a derivative technology of doing what may seem like the trivial uh, enterprise of separating oil and water. In the Permian Basin, did everybody watch Friday Night Lights? Uh -huh. An older reference. In that area, when you pump up oil, the verb they use is produce oil. Ancient plants produce the oil and microbes. When you pump up the oil, you pump up a lot of very salty water. Interesting. And the oil, interesting, well said. <laughs> The oil sticks to dust particles and becomes, these little particles become neutrally buoyant. They don't sink or they don't float and they plug up all the valves and everything. 
So I worked there for a couple of years uh, on this gizmo. And uh, the whole, the smell of oil is everywhere. Their pumps are everywhere. You go to West Texas or everywhere. Well, now they're wind turbines on the same plane. And there's so many wind turbines and so much solar energy and so many batteries in Texas this year, 2023. How many wind turbine solar uh, panels and batteries are there? There's so many that they haven't had a catastrophic electricity event that they had a couple of years ago because they've supplemented their power with renewable source, conventional, unexotic renewable sources. And so even with that, legislatures, legislators there are fighting it. They're fighting the renewable. Really? It's just you guys, money. come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, somebody's making money. Are you old enough to remember T. Boone Pickens? Yeah, it's kids. The name, yeah. It's the kids. Anyway, he was a fossil fuel bazillionaire, but he argued that let's use natural, he argued for nat, using natural gas as what he called the bridge fuel to renewable, and he was heavily invested in wind energy in Texas. Gotcha, gotcha. It's still a good idea. So uh, let's go, people. Let's get her done. I want to. I want to ask you about this because, for those, <laughs> for those watching and listening, and saying, "Okay, I, I hear you. I believe it. I understand it, and I'm going to take action on it." Right. But I feel a lot of stress in my heart and my mind. Yes. My, my relationships are struggling. Yes. I don't understand my brain. Yes. Or my mind and how yes. these things work and how to to master these things. Master. Or how to understand it and have more calm and peace in my own life to let alone go fight some fight about climate change when I'm stressing and struggling about money, relationships, and and understanding my mind. So I'd love to hear from your perspective about anything you've learned, again, personally or through science on how to first understand our brains, our minds, how things work, the way we think, and how we relate to ourselves so that we can have more peace and harmony in our own space before we try to conquer space and mastering that. I wonder if you can share some thoughts there. So people talk all nowadays, they talk about mindfulness. That's a modern word. It's what I have for many years, decades, called pay attentivity. <laughs> pay attention, people. It's not that easy, I guess. But another interesting thing you know, we did the old show, the Science Guy show. We had an expression, no bit to exceed 45 seconds, which was not a rule eh, so much as a guideline for you Ghostbusters buffed. And so... Uh, now it's like four seconds on the Well, internet. but see, and then it's also comforting to note that Socrates complained about the youth of today. Socrates, these young people, they have no respect. Same thing, people. Uh, and so I am not claiming to have all the answers, but paying attention is of great value. And uh, there's two ways to be rich, have more or need less. That's easy enough to say. But uh, when it comes to climate change and your general anxiety, doing something about it makes you feel better. Sure. In my sure. opinion. Of course. Just doing something. For sure. Get politically active. For sure. And keeping in minding that... That's hilarious. Uh, keep in mind that just recycling newspapers is not enough. Yeah. yeah. We've got to get active in other ways. 
Um, Which is easy to say, but hard to do. And we are living at this extraordinary time. Sure. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I'm so old. How old? I remember when Nixon resigned and it was a big deal. High school and college, Nixon resigned. That's nothing compared to what's going on now. It's a hilarious comedy joke compared to what's happening now. Right. So let's get to work, people. Come on. For sure, for sure. What have you understood about your own your own thoughts and your own mind over your your thirty plus year career in really bringing science to the world to the masses? What have you understood about the way you think, the way you feel? Here's one thing for sure: accepting that when you present people with overwhelming evidence, the first time doesn't they're not, they don't human nature? You don't change your mind. You've had a lifelong belief, whatever it is, astrology. Haunted houses, here going to a psychic and hearing from your grandmother, Santa Claus. Sit, sit. Just a second. Maybe real. <laughs> now keep in mind, Santa Claus. Everybody, Santa Claus is magic. Yes, he can be in many, many places at once, and he takes many forms. This is not rocket surgery. Okay, this is. I think you can show pretty sub. Pretty convincing evidence that Santa can be in one more than one place at, sure. at a time. And then uh, also, he lives at the North Pole, everybody. Santa lives at the North Pole because 90% of the people on Earth live north of the equator. I mean, he's got work to do. He's got things he's got to get done. So he lives where it's more accessible to all to the world's land masses where people live. I mean that I won't say it's obvious, but if you think about it, that's sure. it's susceptible to analysis. As sure, we say. sure. So, what beliefs have you had to change in the last? Oh 30 well, years? the one the the one that I got in trouble with, and now I get respect for, was genetically modified food, genetically modified organisms. So I um, am still active with the Union of Concerned Scientists, which was started by couple of guys, Kurt Godfrey especially, who are very concerned about nuclear weapons and nuclear... Pro- you know, the, the Oppenheimer, the movie's coming out right now and all that, and the documentary about him. And very concerned about nuclear weapons. Well, now they're, they, it, we are concerned about global problems writ large. I guess if it's global, it's writ large. And uh, so I believed or accepted the idea that uh, we did not need, humankind did not need to genetically modify crops, that there are enough resources uh, globally that you could just create new species or uh, modify species through conventional means by mixing pollen and ova, you know, the way Thomas Jefferson is supposed to have done. And uh, this is my representation of wheat pollen, by the sure, way. Sure, sure. Obviously. Uh but now I've come to accept the idea that we're much better off modifying really? crops. Yeah. And by we, I mean, we can feed more people more efficiently. And we've revel. the reason we have 8 billion people going on 9 billion people is because we've been able to feed them. And the people may not realize the first breakthrough in genetically modified crops was in cotton. That getting cotton plants that were not susceptible to boll weevils eating them. You know, I got to have a home. That's an old song. The bull weevil explaining to the farmer, he's got to eat the cotton because, sorry, dude, I need a, ha- a home. Whereas the farmer's thinking, you know, it'd be better if you weren't here, Mr. Bull we- or Ms. Bull Weevil. So, um, 
genetically modified crops, I've changed my mind. And really? I've gotten respect in the scientific community about it. But why do so many people, why are they against genetically modified well, foods and so, crops? So there's a very two things. And I think the main thing is genetically modified crops have enabled uh, industrial farming on a, on a very large scale. Not just big, but very large. And people are troubled by that consolidation. Right. It's kind of taken up the land from the well, smaller well, farmers. Yeah, and... and so Thomas Jefferson, again, had this vision of an agrarian society where we all lived on farms, raised our own food, and lived off the 19th, uh, 18th century grid. <laughs> uh, but that's not what people want. People people want to live in cities and do stuff. And I, I tell people all the time, you know, I used to work at Boeing, and we have a whole thing now where everybody's working at home, everybody's working remotely, virtually. When you build airplanes that can fly close to the speed of sound with extraordinary reliability day in and day out, you can't do it at home. You need to have thousands of people come together with a plan and a giant building to build stuff. Right. That's how it is. And so I think... I think uh, a fear of industrial farming has led people to oppose genetically modified food in general. But there's no reason, well, there are reasons, uh, we could modify our regulations so that giant corporations don't crush people and make their lives unlivable and so on. And the other big thing that's become... uh, representative of genetically modified organisms or crops writ large or big is the use of these genes to keep to prevent insect attack and to enable extraordinary weed control you know if you're a farmer if you're a gardener weeds are a drag man yeah. you're fighting weeds all the time so the ex- classic example is glyphosate Roundup is the brand name. And people love to hate Monsanto, which I can understand. Monsanto's been absorbed, everybody. There's no Monsanto anymore. And as um, people have pointed out, Monsanto was not was not as big as Apple or Microsoft or Boeing. It was down in the lower 300s of the top 500 companies. I mean, it was successful, but it wasn't like this monolith, you know, transformer crushing cities or something. And so there's two things about glyphosate. It's scary because it kills weeds so effectively. And the second thing is everybody uses it. (laughs) Every farmer who wants to stay in business and compete uses something akin to glyphosate or genetically modified crops. So, you know, we in the States are all about corn, corns and everything. We're made of corn. We all eat corn. The plastic is corn. Right. well, you wouldn't have all this corn without genetic modifications that keep the European corn borer invasive species from destroying corn crops. And that is modif- understanding DNA so well that you could... And so that this protein produces a crystal in the corn borer that kills it, can't tolerate it, or it, prevent, or it it's, um, doesn't eat it because it can see it coming. Uh, in the insect sense. And so uh, the, this leads to my biggest idea 
my biggest idea. Everybody, we have to accept that humankind is in charge now. We are running this planet. We did not apply for this job. Nobody filled out a form, but we are in charge now. Everything every one of us does affects everybody in the world because we all share the air. Nobody you meet and have a conversation with is not breathing. Uh, if you're a mortician, I guess, you know, you take meetings with people who aren't breathing. But uh, we all share the air. And so when I was a kid, uh, intuitively, you would think nature is over here. We're going to go camping in the woods. We're going to take an axe and a hand axe and got to cut our own firewood, and it's going to be great. And nature's over there, and we're over here. But now we're all in this everywhere all together. Right. And so what we want is to have systems of governance, systems in place that take that into account, that preserve the environment for everybody so that we can all have a high quality of life. Easy to say. Not so easy to do. Right. Back to you. <laughs> what have you, what did you believe, or, or not even you, what was in the science community that was so backed, maybe as you were getting into your show 30 years ago and over the last 30 years, something that was known to be true in the world, in the scientific world? Oh, wow. That has later oh, man. been involved oh. into something else, and you realized, oh, actually, this is not true. What it, What is Well, this is a cosmological thing, and I mean that okay. cosm cosmology. When I was young, everybody presumed the universe was expanding, and, and not only was it expanding, it was slowing down. There's no sound in space, just be. But, uh, and this had, you know, ramifications about our place in the cosmos and what happened before? Is there any such thing as before the Big Bang? Is that even a question? Uh, but now, going about 2004, it was proven the universe is accelerating, getting bigger, faster, and faster. And do you know why? Nobody knows why. So here we go. So you've heard of dark matter, dark yes. energy. So it has some gravity. Nobody's really sure where it comes from, pulling everything apart. And I think about my grandparents all four of whom were born in the 19th century. All four of my grandparents were born in the 1800s. They did not know there was relativity, let alone what it would lead to. And so in their lifetime, they saw relativity discovered. They saw the neutron discovered, protons proven to donate and accept in acids and bases. And then they saw nuclear weapons, and they saw nuclear energy, and they saw this understanding of the cosmos that they saw the cre they were around for the invention of the word big bang the phrase big bang and the invention of black hole these were things that no one existed no one knew existed in the 1800s just think 30 years from now when somebody figures out what dark energy and dark matter are just think what crazy what it could, where it could lead people don't know what side of the street they're on until they look at their phone and your phone depends on both special relativity, the speed of spacecraft relative to the Earth, and general relativity, the speed of time as influenced by the Earth's gravity. Whoa, dude, just think what could happen in 30 years. What do you think people will discover about dark matter? Oh, I don't know, that it's, it'll, be part, it'll be quantized. There'll be particles of dark. 
What does that mean, quantized? Uh, in particles. Okay. So we, you know the word electron? Yes. So electricity or electric fields are manifested or produced or come to be because there are charges in particles, particles with charges. And uh, uh, protons, we talk about protons like that. We, you can go get a PET scan, proton emission tomography. You can go, yeah. And we don't smoke, people. That was a joke. Right, right. Yeah. And then, um, and then um, you know, we all take, it used to be called nuclear magnetic resonance imaging, MRI. Now we just call it MRI because right. it's group people out. Yeah, yeah. But all those discoveries led to these things that we have every day. And you know, the promise of nuclear energy was great, but nobody is comfortable with the waste. Even people who handle the waste very well have to handle it quite gingerly. Right. Nobody wants it around. When I was taking physics back in the disco era, actually before the disco, in Motown, I was taking physics. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this, assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake caliper. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game or when you're hiring for your business and you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Fusion was always 40 years away, Fusion. But December of last year, people got more energy out than they put in. Fusion was done here on the Earth's surface. If we can come up with Fusion energy on the Earth's surface, it will, dare I say it, change the world. <laughs> and so there are, pick a number, about a dozen universities and companies trying to fuse Protons or neutrons to get tremendous amount of either heat or this crazy electric field that you can capture directly and produce electricity. Wow. 
It would change. If we had unlimited electricity, we could get her done. Wow. Get it all done. We could feed everybody clean water, take carbon dioxide out of the air. You, are you excited about sustainable I'm, aviation right. fuel? I, Who isn't? That'd be amazing. Yes. So we talk about a shortcut. Man, if these guys and gals in South Dakota can take municipal solid waste, MSW, and turn it into kerosene, jet fuel is kerosene, just with some stuff to keep it from freezing, and then turn it into rocket fuel, which wow. is the same thing, just filtered, really filtered. Say what you will about Elon Musk, whoa, and Jeff Bezos, well, say what you will about those guys, but the ultimate goal of both of them is to use rocket fuel made from air. Mm. Take carbon dioxide out of the air, turn it into kerosene, turn it rock into jet That'd fuel. Be powerful. Oh, man. So then you could use all the airplanes you have now and all the rockets you have now and just... In unlimited ways make care. I mean, it would just be amazing. Do you think that'll happen in the next 30 years? 30, yeah. Wow. But getting it for every airplane in the world in the next 30 years, that's something else. That'd be tough, huh? Yeah, but getting it for, say, enormous number of domestic flights or, or northern hemisphere flights, very reasonable. You guys, we could just, in Silicon Valley fashion, well, let the, these entrepreneurs will solve the problem. They'll have first money and some venture capitalists and angel investors and everything will be great. And I'm a billionaire, so take my word for it. Or we could invest like crazy the way people did to create, everybody's talking about Oppenheimer, to create nuclear weapons. We could invest in basic research. We, and everybody, we have to redistribute wealth. Everybody wants to be a billionaire. Sure we do, but everybody can't be a billionaire and still have enough for everybody. Unless we, you know, dip, use pennies instead of sure, fragments. Sure. I exaggerate. Back to you. You mentioned the, the universe is accelerating, expanding, right? And in that acceleration, is dark matter being created in that acceleration? Don't know, no, man. We don't know that yet. I don't know, man. If somebody know. does, there's a cosmologist out there, an astrophysicist. Thank you. I don't know. I'm a mechanical engineer. What what do we what do we understand or know about the universe expanding and accelerating and our own thoughts? Oh, see, this is a great question. So is your brain expanding? Or are are uh the stuff, the matter of you, is it spreading out in some amazing way? And is there some field going between stuff in some new way? That's what I'm curious about. Be that as it may be, uh, to the woo-woo people out there, and I imagine you have a few woo-wooists, when science scientists make discoveries about um, entanglement of photons... Do you know the double split experiment? Double slit experiment? Double split. I'm talking fast. So, so here, you guys, this is a digression, but it's worthy of everybody who in a scientific and literate society to consider. Have you ever looked through a piece of plastic, what have you, and seen a rainbow? Like they have glasses. Yes. Okay. That's as, a way to explain that is light travels in waves. So when they go through these finely divided 
pieces of plastic or glass, they constructively and destructively interfere with themselves on the other side caused by the slits, picket fence that the light's going through. Well, here's a strange and amazing freaking thing. People, if you do experiments on light to observe waves, you will find waves. If you do experiments on light to find particles, you will find particles. And anybody, even people who hate science fiction and hate me and hate Star Trek, have heard of photon torpedoes. We have photons. can observe photons. So here's the strange and astonishing and amazing thing. If you set up a gizmo to shoot one photon at a time into the double slit, you get the same pattern. It's as though the photons know each other. I've seen this, yeah, yeah. And this is a one thing about it is called entanglement, that somehow the photons are entangled. When scientists discover that and prove it and do these experiments to demonstrate it, it doesn't mean that you have psychic powers. That's it, not the same it thing. It doesn't mean you can move, you can bend spoons with your mind. That's a separate, different thing. <sighs> What's it mean? <laughs> Just co-opting scientific terms for these woo Sure. Pseudoscientific ideas is inappropriate. Right. Can we say inappropriate? Sure. And taking somebody's money when you know better is also inappropriate. Sure, sure. So there was a big article the other day about Uri Geller. Ernie Geller? Uri Geller. Uri Geller. You guys are so young. Yeah. So Uri Geller was renowned for bending spoons. Okay. And he- With his he, mind, right? Yes. Yeah. He used to refer to himself as a mentalist. Now he's kind of pulled back from that. Are you a magician? Oh, I would never say. Sure. So I, I've i been with a couple guys, but the notable guy was James Randi, who died a couple years ago, the amazing Randi. So you're having, you're meeting, you're a science teacher, science teacher convention, you're talking to James Randi, and he picks up the spoon from the table, and he's talking to you about the spoon, and he's got the spoon, and he's talking about this, and then he holds it up, and the spoon, because he just bent the living heck out of it, in his magic, you can't see it kind uh -huh. of way. Yeah, sure, very sure. strong finger. So that is apparently, by all accounts, what Uri Geller does. But people are still amazed, you know, that he because he's a great, terrific showman. But I mention this because when scientists discover uh, entanglement, it doesn't mean that somebody's bending spoons with his mind. Everybody, right, right. Causation. I mean. Uh, uh, Correlation does not imply causation. To get all philosophical buzz phrase on you, can you can you talk to me about the science of thinking? Of, so what the what a thought is, like, man. I don't know, man. So I spent a lot of time from time to time with brain people. Okay. I'm not a brain person. Yes. What have you learned about them, though? Well, that everybody is trying to figure out what consciousness is. Dr. Heather Berlin, friend of mine, is trying to figure out what consciousness is. And uh, her old um, guy she used to know very well, Christoph, um, anyway, they're trying to figure out what consciousness is. And uh, they can't, or they haven't, rather not they can't, they, they haven't so out. far, yeah. And we all want to know, and this is what philosophy is, is trying to figure out do you know this expression, justified true belief, JTF, JTB? Like, well, how can you prove anything is true? And it gets to this 
uh, ergo sum merit, I think, therefore I am. I'm thinking, therefore I must be alive. I'm, I mean, I must be here. Uh, but what goes on with our brains is so subtle and so troubling and such a freaking mess. And now we're all dealing, and I'm not changing the subject, we're all dealing with addiction. Everybody either knows somebody who's an addict or knows somebody whose life's been deeply affected by addiction. The guy in the news now, that president's son. Um, and when you become an addict, apparently it affects your brain and you just don't think the way other people think. And it is an amazing thing mm. when you've, if you've been around addicts who just make up stories, who just lie, the stories are all self-consistent and they're created from their consciousness somehow, almost instantly, but it's happening apparently through chemistry in your head. And so um, I'm not an expert in this, but I've done a couple shows on addiction and I've been around the brain people when they're arguing sure. at brain people conferences. And it is utterly fascinating. And as a... Um, as a skeptic, a, a formal, I'm a member of both skeptic organizations. I read Skeptic Magazine. I read the Committee for Scientific Inquiry. Who doesn't? Um, your perception is so unreliable. One's perception, what you think you're seeing in the world. You know the the dress. Was it blue and white yes, or was yeah, it gold red and white? Or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your perception is, and that's just talking about your and your eyes. memory too. Your memory is a mess, man. You make stuff up all the time. And so, and you do it apparently to get through life. Mm. Like it's a shortcut through getting through life, you know, for getting through life. Have you ever had any extreme addictions? Have I? Not as far as I know, except I do like toy trains. Right. And uh, more obsession. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like um, uh, throwing frisbees around. Right. But I'm not sure that's the same as an addiction. I think I think seeing people struggle with addiction is one of the hardest thing to watch especially oh, if man. you love someone if oh. you care about someone oh, for five years. and it's also one of the most inspiring things to watch people overcome oh man I'm, so that just shows you is it because there's a higher power that is influencing people or is it chemistry mm. in your brain interesting chemistry in your brain seems much more reasonable to me uh and so you get in this thing everybody's talking about now um gender fluidity, and I'm not changing the subject, it's that there's a spectrum for all of this stuff. Addiction, obsession, mm -hmm. fascination with playing cards, uh, whatever it is, there's this very seldom uh, cut and dried, very seldom A or, uh, or uh, one or zero, right. and or. or yeah. Sure. I want, to, I want to ask you a couple of final questions here, Bill. But final? <laughs> no, I can, I'm sorry. I've talked a lot. You have many questions. Oh, it's and all, I, I it's keep all going good. On. Again, I want to acknowledge you for the constant impact you've made for I got more than 30 years, but I'm just speaking from the Thank show. You. Yes, it's so, 30th anniversary. We're going to have a big party in, in Seattle. Don't nice, miss it if you can. Nice, nice. And um, acknowledge you for your commitment to bringing education and entertainment to really mostly kids that have then grown up and become so, interested in these so types the, of ideas. So understand that was the modern word is intentional. We had very compelling research that 10 years old is about as old as you can be to get the lifelong passion for science. Wow. 
And it's probably, to me, it's about as old as you can be to get a lifelong passion for anything. When did you want to tell stories? I mean, you were a little kid. Right. Yeah, yeah. When were you Play interested sports, in sports? I was interested in sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's why it was aimed at people in fourth grade. It wasn't It wasn't uh, an unconscious, intuitive decision. It was research. Except it was intuitive in the sense that when I was a kid, I loved science and yeah. I still do and so on. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, again, I acknowledge you for the impact you consistently make. I still and... don't get over it. I was in, I was in um, Bio France, you know, where the cathedral is with the tapestry telling the story for illiterate citizens. And this guy can. I watch your show. What? Do you watch it in French? No, I watch it in English. That's how I learned English. Was yes, and all these people. People not of my ancestry who watched the show and got it. It's just amazing to me. It's, it's just, beautiful. It's just, I can't get over it. This question is one I ask everyone at the end. Uh, at the um, end? At uh, the end of our interviews. I've got two final questions for you, but this one is towards the end. It's called the three truths. It's a hypothetical The question. three truths. Three truths. Hypothetical question scenario. I ask out all my guests. Um, imagine you get to live as long as you want to live. Science and... Health optimization gets you to as long as you want to live, but it's the last day far in the future for your, for your life in this existence. And um, you are unable to, to leave behind any message you've shared before. All the content you've created, books, the TV shows, all of it, for whatever reason, it has to go to the next place. It's not here anymore. Hypothetical. But on your last day, you get to leave behind three truths three things you know to be true or three lessons you would like to share with the world. And that's all we have to remember your message by. What would be those three truths for you? I got to sort this out. Yeah. Because I got two right away. Yep. And then I have my father and mother would say there's, okay, here you go. Um, every person's responsible for his or her own actions. You're responsible for your own actions. Uh, common sense is not that common. And the goal, your reason to live, what you want to do, is leave the world better than you found it. Leave the world better than you found it. Well, those are your, your parents instilled those truths yeah, in you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Who was... Uh... What was the most influential thing about both mom and dad? Well, mom, uh, for academic achievement, she also said, uh, where you live is really important. Like, get, be comfortable. Invest in making where you live comfortable. Because if you don't like to be home, you just, life just gets to be uneasy. And then, and then my dad uh, was... Uh, a very good Boy Scout. I had a very good regular experience in the Boy Scouts. I got to tell you, there was no weirdness. Yeah. It was just that's good. And I that movie, The Blair Witch Project. Get out of the woods, you idiots! What the, <laughs> God? What's wrong with you? Spend a night in the woods? Big freaking deal. Uh, anyway, uh, so that you can, uh, you ha you can take care of yourself. You can be empowered. That would be something my dad would say. And 
uh, every man's and my father was also family's the most important thing. Yeah, your family's the most important thing. It was a big deal with my dad. That was beautiful. Yeah, well, I think everybody says that at some point. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I meet people. My brother and sister are my best friends. Yeah, I mean, we make each other laugh. It's, I meet people that don't get along with their siblings. That's, it's just very much out of my everyday experience. And I guess that came from our parents. As weird as I claim things were, it came from our parents. Sure, sure. I love these truths, so thanks for sharing those from, from your parents. Uh, again, 30th anniversary of Bill Nye, the science guy, this September, which is unbelievable. Uh, Kids, there's a third generation of people watching it's this amazing. show. It's a bunch of guys and gals in a warehouse in Seattle. The building's still there. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you have a show called The End is Nigh. The End is Nigh. Turn it up loud, people, on Turn Peacock. It up, watch it. You're you're also a social media sensation. Sensation. You know, every, everywhere. TikTok so and Instagram. You're just you know, viral I, everywhere. So understand the deal was no bit to exceed 49 seconds. That was our informal, yes. hilarious gang. Is Jim for McKenna. TV, for TV, right? Yeah, yeah. Jim McKenna, Aaron Gottlieb, and me, the co-creators. And, and that was because that's just how we felt. We liked it. It was fun. TikTok is my jam, man. You crush it on 59 TikTok. 59 seconds? Wait, you 10 extra seconds? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. We'll have to do a TikTok after this. I love it. Um, again, I want to acknowledge you. Is there anything else we should send people to to let them be aware of and follow you besides social media, the, the, the TV show, anywhere else we can send people to support and serve you? Well, thank you. Um, read my show. Watch my book. So uh, I... I am very proud of the books I've written. They've become New York Times bestsellers. But very recently, this debate I did with this guy in Kentucky, who, near as I can tell, really actually believes the Earth is 4,000 years old. He is absolutely wrong about that. That is absolutely incorrect. And he can run off with his Australian accent impressing people who think everybody with a British accent is an authority. Okay. But the concern there are the kids. You don't want kids growing up scientifically illiterate. I mean, that point of view is just silly. And I know he was brought up with it and he really believes it. But it just crossed 10 million views. Wow. 10 million official views, which means what does that mean in in unofficial? 50, 40 right, million. Right, right. So. Is that a YouTube or where is that? It's on YouTube, yeah. yeah. The kids with their YouTubes. Gotcha. But undeniable, the first book is about evolution. And I think it'd be great if everybody understood evolution and our place in the cosmos, what I like to call our place in space. And the reason I took this job as CEO of the Planetary Society, world's largest non-governmental space interest organization advancing space science and exploration so the citizens of Earth will know the cosmos and our place within it is because these discoveries we make in space affect us all, both uh, practically. We all have satellite communications, weather reports that are accurate within five minutes, and global communication and so on. But spiritually, we, thinking about your place in the cosmos affects all of us. And if we were to discover life on another world, it would change this one, people. If we find evidence of bacterial fossilized pond scum on Mars, it will change the way you feel about being alive. If we find evidence of life 
uh, in the atmosphere of Venus, phosphine gas. It will like their microbes, so-called aeroplankton, floating around. It will change you. If we find Europanians under the ice on Europa, the moon of Jupiter that Galileo discovered, if we that will change you. Are there Enceladusians orbiting Saturn? It will change you. So that's why I do that as a full part-time job. Wow. <laughs> now, now uh, and the other thing about space, in the States, especially, U.S. especially, brings people together. People that hate each other in Congress agree to fund NASA, the, the best brand the United States has. NASA is the best brand the United States has. So that's why I do all these things, people. When you're in love, you want to tell the world, science! And science, or the process of science, our ability to evaluate evidence, so-called critical thinking, is how we're going to address climate change. It's how we're going to feed everybody. Not by pretending it's not happening. It's not going to do it. Sure. Back to you. Powerful, Bill. I appreciate you being here. I got one final question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I talk so much. You're good. I love it. The final question is, what is your definition of greatness? Something that fills you with respect. What's everybody these days, greatest of all time? Right, the goats. Yeah. That's fleeting. This too will pass, as they say. Who's ever the fastest human, 100 meters, that guy's not going to be 100 meter champion, or gal's not going to be 100 meter champion 20 years, probably not in 20 years. Certainly not in 50 years. And so that's going to pass. But how does it make you feel right now? That person was great. What, that, what happened was great. That was a great thing, it, how it makes you feel. My definition of greatness, then, is you makes you feel that something is wonderful. Fills you, everybody loves the word awesome, but feels, fills you with awe or respect. Respect. I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis house. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness Newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a 
try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. 